I invite you to remain standing as we come to God's holy word this morning, as it comes to us from the book of Exodus. As we come to the scriptures, we do so as Jesus and his disciples and countless others before us have done as we recite the ancient creed of our faith. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. As I read from Exodus this morning, I will actually be beginning in the 23rd verse of chapter 2, leading into chapter 3. Let us attend to the word of God. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Out of the slavery, their cry for help rose to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame afar out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Oswald Chambers once wrote that to be brought into the zone of God's call is to be profoundly altered. The zone of God's call begins in the closing verses of chapter 2. As the Hebrew slaves cry out to God. And then the scriptures reveal this beautiful character of our God. That God hears. God remembers. God sees. God takes notice. God understands. And then God in a way that no one is expecting. At age 80, did you hear that? Age 80, Moses is living in Midian, where for the past 40 years he has been married, raised two sons, and shepherded the flocks of his father-in-law. The 40 years previous to that, Moses had been an Egyptian prince. He had experienced a botched liberation attempt 
with the slaves. He had murdered a man. He had fled to a strange and far country. But all that was pushed back in the recesses of his mind. Moses wasn't thinking of those things that day out with the sheep. But something draws him to go a little bit further than he's gone before. And as he does, on this ordinary day, to a man doing ordinary things, God steps in with the extraordinary. There's a burning bush. It catches Moses' attention. He turns aside to see this thing that is so amazing. And when he does, God speaks. But isn't that how it happens for all of us? In the ordinary moments of our lives, God somehow enters in and changes everything. That is, if we respond. Today I want us to take a deeper look at this call of Moses and see what it has to say for us today here in this sanctuary. And I think it is important that as we do so, we pay attention to the details in this short passage. Because you see, details in scripture are always important. They have a way of pulling us deeper into the story, far deeper than just the surface words indicate. The first detail is almost imperceptible. We have to go back into the book of Genesis to understand it. You see, in Genesis, when God speaks to someone, he speaks directly to Adam and Eve, to Abraham, to Isaac. To Jacob, there are no theatrics involved. But this time it's different. This time God uses a burning bush to catch Moses' attention. And it does. It works very well, in fact. And Moses hears his name called. He's told not to come any closer but to take off his sandals because he's on holy ground. God doesn't want anything between him and Moses. And it is in those moments that God calls Moses, but not just as an individual. God calls also a yet-to-be community of faith, a people who will come forth if Moses says yes, who will come forth to join God in God's purpose for salvation for the whole world. And yet, even though it's a call to community, Moses is very uh, personally touched in this call from God. I don't know if you heard it. So often I remember reading the scriptures, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But that's not what it says. God says, I am the God of your father. And then names the patriarchs. 
the rabbis say that God spoke to Moses using the voice of Moses' own father. What a personal, intimate, and touching moment. And then there is the bush. Now, the bush is very interesting. It's no ordinary bush, not because it's burning and not consumed. In Hebrew, the word is sine. It means thorn bush. And in this thorn bush, we also find a close relative of the word Sinai. In fact, it appears near Sinai or on Sinai. We're not sure. But it's also the place where God's going to call back Moses and the new community, his children, to hear God speak again. And this bush, the rabbis say, is the lowliest of the shrubs. But it's used for an amazing purpose. Just as the Israelites are the lowliest among the Egyptians as slaves. But God will call them out for a great purpose as well. And then the thorn bush itself is a reminder that not even in a prickly shrub can God not be present. There's no place devoid of God's presence. If we but look. And then too, as God speaks out of the thorn bush... It's a reminder that God will inhabit the sufferings of God's people. And then there's the fire. Fire in scripture is normally a sign of divine presence, of divine revelation. In fact, there are many instances throughout scripture where we see God revealed in fire from the pillar of fire that will lead the Israelites at night through the wilderness to the tongues of flame that hover over the heads of the disciples at Pentecost. And I don't know about you, but if you look in those flames long enough, you might see some doves flying around. In Hebrew, this flame of fire That is mentioned in the scripture is a word called Levah. And it is very closely related to another word called Lev, which means flame of heart. You see, something was in Moses. It had been burning there a long time. And God ignites it. It is Moses' gut level opposition to slavery of any kind. And now... It's flamed in Moses, and he can no longer escape it. He can no longer extinguish it. Throughout history, people record that they have experienced similar flames in their heart. Think of the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus meets them on Easter evening And reveals to them the scriptures and they can't wait to get back to their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and say to them, our hearts burned within us when he opened the scriptures on the road. The founder of Methodism, John Wesley, he too speaks of his heart being strangely warmed 
when in a moment, even while he's already ordained as a priest in England, he has a burning bush moment in which the grace of Jesus Christ is revealed in a way that he can never deny again. There are others who speak of such experiences, but but what of us? Do we have burning bush experiences? In scripture, this is the only time that a burning bush will be mentioned. In fact, it's the only place you will find this word, bush. But I believe that God does come to us, that there are many burning bush moments in our lives. When I was 16, I had one of those moments. I was sitting in an ordinary Methodist Youth Fellowship meeting at Alamo Heights Methodist Church. I see my friends Jimmy and Johnny. They know about those meetings, and others do too. It was an ordinary Sunday evening. I was there to have fun. I mean, I was 16 after all. But in the moment that our speaker that night shared, God warmed my heart. He touched me in a way that was distinctive and unique for me, that called me into a new way of being and doing to serve him in the church. And it has taken me down paths I never dreamed of. In fact, that night long ago, if you had told me, oh, you know, you're going to be serving at Alamo Heights United Methodist Church for a long time. Oh, and by the way, you're going to get ordained. Oh, yes, you're going to preach. And I would have said, you are nuts. We never know how God is going to call us or where that call will take us. Sometimes God calls us to do brave and noble things like Moses did, like Oscar Schindler did. When God called him to save the lives of 1,000 Jews from deportation to the death camps. But most of the time, God's going to call you and me in an ordinary way and turn it into an extraordinary experience. Some women in our church heard a call a few years back to offer a weekly lunch for senior citizens. They had no idea that 40 years later, the Thursday lunch bunch would still be serving meals to seniors. More recently, Janneke Zander, one of our members at Asbury, heard God calling her to meet the needs of homeless and needy people who were on San Pedro And today, every third Saturday, she and her team are out on the curb beside uh, Asbury Church with bags of food as they offer food and prayer to anyone who will stop by. Sometimes those people come for food and they always get prayer. Sometimes they just want prayer. But Christ is at work in that little community, changing lives and blessing people.
are my friend Chris Estes and Daryl Smith and others here at our church heard God calling them to go down on Wednesdays at noon at Haven for Hope and teach a Bible study class. Maybe God just simply calls us to treat others with respect and honor if they appear different from us. Frederick Beekner says, The place God calls us to is the place where our deep gladness meets the world's deep needs. God is always calling us. But how do we know that we'll see a burning bush? There may not always be a fire in the sanctuary. But God can call us. Like Moses, we have to pay attention, which may be some of the hardest things we have to do, for there sure are a lot of distractions in life, aren't there? But if we pay attention to what is going on around us, if we are willing to turn aside and see, we may hear God calling us in a new way to do God's will. Now, I have learned through the years that a call means change. Now, I don't know about you, but if I decide to make a change, it's well and good. But if someone else calls me, including God, to make a change, it's not so easy. We like things our way, don't we? But God calls us. And maybe that change is to do something Special, it's a call to a a new direction, a new focus, a new perspective, a new attitude in our hearts. And call involves struggle. Sometimes we argue with God, make excuses, or finally just say, Oh Lord, please send somebody else, just as Moses did. I struggled with my call to ministry for a couple of years. I almost had an ulcer over it, but God brought me through, and here I am. When we finally accept and act on God's call, then indeed we find that deep joy welling up in us, and God uses us to meet a need around us. And God will use every experience of our lives up to that point in preparation for those moments. God's call comes in many ways. Perhaps God is calling some of us here in this church to do something simple that's right before our very eyes. We need volunteers to help in the loving service circle, to do receptions for families following funerals. We need volunteers to usher, to greet people on Sunday morning, To make people feel welcome and loved here. We need Stephen ministers, Sunday school teachers. We need people to pray in the prayer room for an hour a week. We need people to help in the pumpkin patch. There are so many ways that God may be calling us right here, right now. Or maybe God is also calling us to a ministry 
that will bless others that we've not heard yet. The important thing is, if we hear a call, will we accept it? Will we respond to it? God doesn't call us to succeed, but simply be obedient and faithful. Then God will do the rest. As he told Moses, I will be with you, and God will be with us. When Moses accepted God's call from the burning bush, he became God's answer to the Hebrew slave's prayer for freedom, and in so doing led them to their ultimate destiny as God's people. I'm reminded of the final words of Francis of Assisi as he lay dying. He told those around him, I have done what is mine. May Christ teach you what is yours. The call of Moses invites us to pay attention, to look for burning bushes all around us, to hear God calling, to see what Christ is teaching us. And if we respond as Moses did, I wonder whose answer will we be? Amen.